Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. 
Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. This is season four, and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double boarded in family and lifestyle medicine, and I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform. And we talk about plant-powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this, and please remember to like and subscribe down below, and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Thrive Bites podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could be anywhere in the world, and I am so thrilled for you to take just a few moments to be with us today. And I am super excited for this particular topic. Um, today's topic is what you need to know about mushrooms. And uh, our special guest today, his name is Jeff Kilton. Um, he was raised in the Pacific Northwest and he studied ethnomycology at the University of Washington in the late 60s and started working on a commercial mushroom farm in Olympia, Washington in the early 70s. Over the next span of 10 years, he became production, uh, production manager and cultivated and responsible for cultivating over 2 million pounds of Aquarius mushrooms per year and has been involved in the research and development of shiitake oyster and enoki mushrooms, which I'm sure of you guys in the plant-based world have heard of, which resulted in the earliest uh, U.S. fresh shiitake sales in 1978. Um, over time, he's been the founder of Mycomedia, uh, which uh, uh, holds four mushroom conferences in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, over time, he's uh, been an expert in mushroom identification, ethnomycology, and mushroom cultivation. In the 80s, he spent a lot of time traveling overseas in China. And, uh, you know, Jeff Companies currently, uh, Namex, was the first to offer a complete line of certified organic mushroom extracts to the U.S. nutritional supplement industry. And uh, I am super, super excited. Without further ado, <coughs> please welcome Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Dr. Zhu. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. I am so thrilled for you to be here. Thank you so much for spending, you know, your time to be and uh, sharing your wisdom, your experience, and your expertise with us today. Oh, I, I'm like I say, I'm I'm glad to do it and and happy to talk to you and your listeners. Awesome, awesome. So uh, let's get straight into it. Um, I love hearing, you know, people's origin stories. You know, this this podcast is all about uh, plant powered living and um, all this good stuff. But what's really the centerpiece of everything is really uh, how does someone get from A to B? And you have a very very unique niche in uh, the food industry. And so I just very very curious on how did you arrive, you know, to the study of ethnomycology. Uh, what is it and uh, what fueled your growing passion for it? Well, I was uh, born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. And, and Colin, listen, uh, one of the things we're really known for up here is rain. Perfect climate for mushrooms. So <laughs> there were mushrooms around me 
ever from the very beginning. And uh, I was lucky enough to get out and do some wild mushroom hunt- hunting as a, a youngster. And then in the late 60s, when I went to university at the University of Washington, my field of study was actually anthropology because I just loved other cultures. I, I was just really thought that'd be great to learn about that. But I also studied mycology while I was there. So I put the two together and, and I uh, worked on the use of mushrooms for food, for medicine, and in shamanic rites worldwide. And it was just a fascinating subject that I just dove into very deeply. But after university, what do you do with a degree in anthropology? Hmm. Well, not a whole lot, but there was a mushroom farm 60 miles down the road from Seattle. I, I thought I'd love to grow mushrooms. That sounds really interesting. I went down there. I got a job. I was there for the next 10 years. I mean, Dr. Zhu, I was literally living with mushrooms for 10 <laughs> years. It was, it was an amazing experience. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I can't... Um... Can't really imagine. I mean, uh, for those of us that live in more of an urban and metropolitan area, we're just surrounded by people, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I can only imagine what it's like to, you know, live amongst, you know, mushrooms. So, you know, during that time, you know, how many different species were you, I guess, working with? You know, you're dealing with farming, cultivating, like what is involved in that kind of process? Well, you know, it's really interesting because, like, mushrooms, they don't have seeds. How do you grow these things? <laughs> so, you know, mushrooms have spores, not seeds. But, but you know, the other thing about mushrooms is every single mushroom you have ever eaten has been picked by hand. Think about that for a minute. Picked by hand. So at this mushroom farm, it's a very large farm, um, Two million pounds a year we were growing. We had an army of harvesters there, and mushrooms do not sleep. We had maybe um, 30 different rooms filled with a mushroom crop, and they had to be harvested every single day. There's no day of the year where harvesters are not there on that farm harvesting those mushrooms. And while I was there, I was fortunate enough to have a Japanese scientist as our research and development director. And he was growing shiitake, oyster mushroom, and enokitake. So I also got to see how to grow these other mushrooms. So for me, my education there in mushroom growing and just being around mushrooms was very extensive. And can you imagine... Here I am. It's the 1970s. I am eating fresh shiitake mushrooms. There's probably no one else in the United States that was able to say that. It was just incredible. And I don't know about you, but I love enoki mushrooms too. Mm. Oh, man, they're delicious. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I mean, you know, growing up in a Chinese household, you know, we, uh, you know, we just thrived on it. Um, at least I did. Um, and I didn't realize, you know, many, many years later, after I switched into, you know, more whole foods, plant based, you know, I just realized, wow, it's just, you know, it's just so much with it. Um, 
you know, it, it provides the umami flavor, you know what I'm saying? It's literally where the MSG synthetic derivative comes from, you know, is glutamic acid. Exactly. And, yeah. And, and, and to me, that was mind blowing. I didn't realize that until I entered into culinary school um, to be able to use things like that to, you know, to to be able to translate that food language for others. You know what I'm saying? Because I think we eat with our eyes, we eat with our nose, you know, and, um, you know, as long as you're able to, I wouldn't say manipulate the senses, but if you're able to kind of uh, create a dish where, you know, you don't have to necessarily use uh, animal-based foods and why not? And mushrooms was definitely, definitely, definitely key, you know, when I went to school. Well, so yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, in, uh, in China, the, the main mushroom, the most important mushroom that they grow there is shiitake. The mm -hmm. Chinese name is Shanggu, and that means fragrant mushroom. Mm. And oh man, I tell you, Colin, when you're in the shiitake mushroom house, the fragrance of those shiitake is incredible. I mean, I recommend to anybody who is eating mushrooms or not, put shiitake mushrooms into your diet. If yeah. you're going to pick one mushroom, use shiitake. It's an amazing, amazing mushroom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, for the Chinese, we use shiitake all the time. Um, and um, in culinary school, I fell in love with using uh, trumpet, uh, trumpet mushrooms, trumpet oyster mushrooms. Uh, I love enokis. Um, they're really, really good. I guess a basic, you know, if we go even more basic than that. And this is probably, you know, probably a lot more details than needed. But, you know, someone that is not as familiar and, you know, we're probably not, majority of us are probably not in the wild foraging, right? But is there any clear, distinctive features on what is considered, you know, mushrooms that are edible versus, you know, that are not? Is there any, like, clear, you know, features or characteristics, you would say? No, no, absolutely not. And, and you know, the thing to remember, too, is that every mushroom is unique. For example, nutritionally, Mushrooms have a good profile of protein, anywhere from 20 to 40%. They're mostly carbohydrates, 40 to 70%, but those carbohydrates are not starch. They're mostly things like mannitol and trehalose, which are very slow-acting carbs, low in fat, uh, very, very high in fiber, uh, and a lot of that fiber is beta-glucan, which is the medicinal compound that is so important in mushrooms, B vitamins, B1, 2, and 3, mushrooms have a fabulous profile uh, nutritionally. And just remember, each mushroom is a little bit different. That's why I'll say that it's a range from 20 to 40% protein, something like that. But nutritionally, they are literally a powerhouse. And, and that's why I'm always telling people, before you supplement or anything, put mushrooms into your diet. It is absolutely the forgotten food. And in my opinion, it's the missing dietary link. And there are studies, call it out of uh, Asia, where they look at very large groups of people and they ask about their diet. And what they have found is that people who eat uh, more mushrooms live longer. Mm. I totally believe that.
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, there's this, I'm sure you can probably attest to this is that, you know, we just need, you know, I, I, I think we need, there's just so much more to learn, you know what I'm saying? Because um, how many species are there, you know, in terms of um, edible mushrooms, would you say? Well, you know what? <laughs> there, there are thousands of species of mushrooms, but the number of actual um, edible mushrooms that would we would call edible and choice enough that we would cultivate them and maybe hunt them down in the wild. Maybe we're talking about two dozen, maybe 25 species that you could call high level culinary mushrooms. I mean, a lot of mushrooms are edible, but you're not going to like the taste. <laughs> so, mm. so, you know, but in terms of something that we would be uh, looking for and our choice edible mushrooms, again, a dozen for sure, and as many as maybe 20 different species uh, fit that category. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, for those uh, that, you know, live in cities that have uh, more of a high cultural diversity, um, you're in, you know, British Columbia, uh, you're near Vancouver, um, you know, Seattle, Washington, I'm in LA right now, Um, big urban cities have uh, Asian markets, they have uh, Indian markets, they have all kinds of different other ethnic markets that have more of a showcase of mushrooms. Um, you know, whenever I go to a, you know, quote unquote, traditional market, I'm always, you know, disheartened just seeing white button mushrooms. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know, and, and, and today, in today's uh, markets, if you go, for example, to a Whole Foods, um, mm-hmm. you will have probably six or seven different species of mushrooms there. Um, sure, a lot of supermarkets, you know, standard supermarkets, they'll have the button mushroom and maybe they'll have shiitake. The, the issue is sometimes they don't know how to treat those mushrooms properly. Mm-hmm. I, I've been in a store here recently where I looked at their shiitake and it was so bad that I had to tell the produce manager that <laughs> those mushrooms should not be on the shelf. You have oh, to. Wow. Yeah, they were not saleable, but yet he left them out there in the box. Oh, they wow. were ragged. What happens too, for example, with a shiitake, a fresh shiitake, if you look at the gills and you start to see brown spots on it, that's bacteria. Mm-hmm. And, and same with um, button mushrooms. If you see a button mushroom and it's got a lot of brown spots on it, bacterial blotch it's like so so even produce managers are not used to dealing properly with mushrooms so a lot of times you people might go there and go yeah i'm going to get some of some mushrooms they look at them and go oh my god like an oyster mushroom after people have like pawed through it a little bit they look ragged Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't look edible so that that's one of the issues that come up in terms of somebody going to the market yeah yeah definitely Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond 
a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast-paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is Whole Foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening, and now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Since we're on the topic of, you know, nutritional benefits, um, you know, what are some common misconceptions that you can help us debunk, you know, when, you know, people are asking about, you know, mushrooms for their health? Well, um, number one, uh, it's not going to act immediately people need to understand that when you're taking a mushroom supplement, for example, that's going to sit in the background. It's not like uh, taking, for example, an aspirin or ibuprofen and it acts immediately. I look at them much in the same way that I look at vitamins. You take the vitamin, but you don't say, oh man, that vitamin D really feels good today. That's not how it works. It's there it's in the background you need to incorporate it into your dietary regime not just the food but actually the supplement and it will be there working for you and over a period of time you should be able to start saying huh uh, my health is really seems to be a little bit better than normal now look you still have to have a solid diet, which is the foundation of our health. You still need to be active. You need exercise. You need fresh air, all of those things to be truly healthy. But the mushrooms can provide you benefits, but they will be in the background. Don't expect them to happen overnight. And I think a lot of people want something to happen almost immediately. And if it doesn't, they're like, well, Mm -hmm. gee, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a common, uh, a common thing that I hear of, uh, well, culinary wise, whenever we prepare mushrooms, we tend to kind of remove the stems. Um, you know, traditionally, you know, we've always, you know, known that, uh, the stems is, you know, not really the best part. Sometimes it could be toxic. Um, can you like elucidate that, um, you know, for us? Sure. You know, um, with a shiitake mushroom, 
the stem is tough. <laughs> it's <laughs> chewy. So taking the stem off of a shiitake mushroom, uh, I totally agree with that. I'm chopping the stems off of mine. Uh, but with other mushrooms like enoki mushroom, most of what you're getting is the stem and it's just as good. You know, the enoki, it's got a long stem. Mm -hmm. It's got a small little cap. For those people not familiar with enoki mushroom, in a package of enoki, you've got a thousand mushrooms in there and, mm. and they're like something you've never seen before. It's it's amazing. So so depending, I mean, like when the garicus, I will uh, trim that. It's already been trimmed, but look at the base of the stem with your button mushroom. And if, if the bottom of it is brown, generally that would mean that, okay, it's discolored a little bit from the environment. And also it could be bacterial. So I would trim that off as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So generally speaking, you know, look, seeing any brown spots, you know, is basically just kind of like bacterial collections. Generally speaking, that that's right, especially if it's on the surface of the cap or if it's with a shiitake mushroom on the gills themselves. And sometimes even the cap of the shiitake will start to kind of wilt a little bit and it will collapse. You mm -hmm. can really tell the difference uh, when you're looking at fresh shiitake, a high quality fresh shiitake and a low quality shiitake. And, and you know, uh, when you go into Chinatown, for example, Colin, you know, it's mostly dried shiitake that people are, mm -hmm. are buying, right? Because mm -hmm. up until recently, that was all that was available in North America was dried shiitake. It mm -hmm. really hasn't been until the last 20 years where shiitake has been readily available as a fresh mushroom. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's uh, very common for us to see. And I kind of grew up, you know, walking down the aisles of, you know, a Chinese market and just seeing it, you know, and it's so convenient having it dried, you know, Absolutely. it does. It takes a little bit of time just to rehydrate. Um, and then it's just, you know, so flavorful. We make so much soups out of it. You know, my mother's a Chinese medical, you know, physician. So, you know, we make a lot of medicinal, you know, soups over time. So it's just so much, you know, variety. Um, switching gears a little bit, I know that, you know, you spent a little time traveling, you know, uh, to China. I believe this is before you founded your company. What was the biggest takeaways from your travels and research, you know, going through, uh, to that country and being able to learn as much as you did? Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was working at the mushroom farm in the seventies, I was reading a lot about China and all the other mushrooms that they were growing, because that was a real fascination for me, all of these different other mushrooms. When I first went to China, that was in 1989, after I'd left the mushroom farm, and I went over to an international conference on mushrooms in uh, Shanghai. And man, I tell you, um, for the next 10 years, I traveled all throughout China, and I, I, I never expected I never expected that. I really never expected to be in Asia, but I love the deep culture there. Uh, I love the ancient parts about it, especially. I would go to uh, sacred mountains over there. Uh, Chinese cuisine done properly is just so delicious, the way they treat their uh, vegetables and meats. I mean, one of the things that, that was really interesting, too, was the fact that meat is not not prepared and you get a, a steak or something. No, it's like sliced and put into different dishes. So it's a totally different way of eating. So 
that was really uh, fun. And, and also the fact of uh, whenever we'd go out to dinner, something there would be, uh, we'd all sit around a round table. Usually there's a lazy Susan in the middle. They start off with about 15 different small dishes uh, hors d'oeuvres and, and you just kind of spin it around. You take different things and then they'd come out and they would bring the dishes kind of one at a time which is also something very different as well, which which is quite enjoyable. And also they bring it out. It is hot, ready to go. The, they spin it around on that Lazy Susan. You take what you want. And in a way, it's, oh, you know, a lot of people are into the slow food movement. Man, having a meal in China is slow food and it's wonderful. People just have a great time. And, and so I, I really enjoyed that. And and my associates over there are just some of the greatest people in the world. And, and look, you know what's interesting too? Today, China produces 85% of the world's mushrooms. Oh, 85. <laughs> 85% of the world's, can you imagine that? So when I'm traveling around and I'm going to these mushroom farms and the thing about it too is, is they there was not a lot of waste over there either. They were utilizing everything, and you know one of the beauties of mushroom farming is that it's generally mushrooms are grown on agricultural wastes. So mm. straw is one of the main ingredients of growing mushrooms, or sawdust today is what we use for a lot of the substrate to grow our mushrooms. So. And, and also they were using appropriate technologies in China. For example, reishi loves hot temperatures. So it's growing all during the summer, harvested the first week in September. Shiitake likes cooler temperatures. So it is slowly growing from, let's just say, September to November, and it's being harvested in Novembers. And a lot of times in some of the areas, after they harvested the rice, they would bring out these small shiitake logs and place them down in shade houses in the same spot where they had just harvested the rice. Uh, And it wasn't like, where I was growing mushrooms uh, on the big uh, commercial Western farm where everything was climate controlled. No, it was all being grown during the seasons. Oh, I just love that. To me, that was really appropriate technology. Now, now don't get me wrong here because look, China today is one of the most modern countries in the world. We've got freeways over there that are better than anything we've got in North America. I'm riding around on trains that are going three to 400 kilometers an hour. It it is an amazing, amazing place. They have mushroom farms that are as modern as anything in the world. But most of the mushrooms that we grow are still grown in a relatively traditional manner. And and that, for me, I really enjoy that. And I, I love my associates over there. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it's a completely, you know, way of life, you know, in a lot of different ways. You know, it's, you know, our histories spans thousands of years. So, you know, they've done a lot of different things, you know, through experience, you know, coming down, coming down the pike. So, yes. Um, 
you know, with um, with a lot of products, you know, if you're saying that 85% um, is coming from China, right? Um, and nowadays, you know, because there, there's so many people there, I think we're up to what 1.4 billion um, in China um, out of you know seven going on eight billion in the whole global population. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty um, amazing. Suffice to say, you know, pollution is you know a huge deal, right? So, how does that affect? Uh, would you say the products that are coming over? Well, you know, one of the things I like to say to people is is look. When it comes to pollution, it, it really depends on where exactly you are, because let's face it, in the world, if you're near an industrial area, it doesn't matter whether you're in China or you're in the United States, like on the Gulf Coast, you're not going to want to eat vegetables being produced in the ground around where all those petrochemical uh, industries are. We grow our mushrooms deep in the mountains of China, away from all of the industrial pollution over there. Uh, and, and not only that, we test them before they even leave China. We test them for heavy metals. We test them for pesticides mm. and fungicides. We have a whole microbiological panel. We test them when we uh, bring them over to uh, North America. We test them a second time. And, and look, I believe in organic certification. In 1997, I took the largest organic certifier in the United States with me to China, and I organized the very first organic mushroom certification course in China, 1997, mm. because I believe in that as an ethic. I believe in organically certified food. I believe that we shouldn't have to be eating things that have chemicals that we don't even know are there. So mm. for me, that's very important. And again, where we, it takes a long time to get to where we're growing our mushrooms. They're deep in the mountains of Zhejiang province. And, and to get there is a, a train ride and then a couple hour drive to the end of the Probably road. Probably a bike ride too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you only need those bikes. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know what's funny is, is uh, when I first was in China in 1989, like in Beijing and most other places, the bikes were just everywhere. Wide lanes full of bikes. There's maybe two two small lanes in the center of the major thoroughfares for vehicles. And there weren't many of them. And the bike parking lots were unbelievable. How <laughs> do you find your bike? I, I, I mean, don't back know. Then, back then, you know, we probably didn't have GPS, right? Like how, how did they identify <laughs> well, their bikes? And they all look the same. They're all black. <laughs> and they're all, I don't they know how they did the it. Same bike factory. Yes, they did. There's probably only five of those factories in all of China pumping <laughs> them out. I don't know how they did it. I drove, rode around on bicycles back in the nineties in China. Today, it is rare to see somebody on a bicycle. Maybe in the countryside you do, but in the cities, no, everybody's on a electric scooter, mm -hmm. and, and uh, which is a good thing in terms of it's not uh, a polluting type of scooter. Uh, it's an electric scooter, but be careful when you are about to cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Um, we're going to go, Jeff, we're going to go into a commercial break. And for those that are watching, please uh, line up your comments, your questions for, you know, Mr. Jeff. Um, you know, this is a great uh, session. If you wanted to learn anything about mushrooms, please, now is the time to ask. And, uh, you know, we'll be right back, you know, for after this commercial break. 
Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something. Something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process. And learning about life was also a process and a practice. And that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H E L P and join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional special offer for thrive Bite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc T H E C H E F D O C. Thank you for listening guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. All right. So we're back. Um, 
Now, for those of you who haven't got a chance to watch, um, there's a wonderful documentary on Netflix called uh, Fantastic Fun Guy. Um, and uh, it is a wonderful, wonderful documentary. And, um, you know, me and Jeff, we were talking about it offline. And uh, I think you know of some of those colleagues that were, you know, on, on that documentary. I think it came out a couple of years. But it just highlights, I guess, the beauty of... Um, what mushrooms can do, different families of, you know, fungi can do. And uh, I guess the question is, is that, is it a little bit too late um, for, you know, bringing up this kind of awareness, you know, uh, especially of mushrooms into the world? Or is it better late than never, would you say? Well, you know what? (laughs) Look, ever since the 60s, which is when I came of age, we were talking about this um, coming together of East and West. And, and back then it was much more philosophically because a lot of people were looking to the East for, um, you know, whether it be religious practices or just overall general philosophy of how to live life. So that has, has in a sense been something that's, ongoing for quite some time and has been very positive in my opinion and the fact as well that foods are are catching up in that sense i mean mushrooms are such a major part of asian cuisine in china in japan in korea it is just a foundational food i mean people take it for granted but man, this is something that's been there and they've been eating for a long, long time. Um, In terms of Europeans, it has been, well, in Eastern Europe, in Russia, France, they have been really on to mushrooms for quite a while. But when it comes to England and and the the whole Commonwealth in that sense, not so much. And that (laughs) came across across, uh, to the United States to where... um, we have only been growing this uh, agaricus mushroom and in a major way since about 1910, uh, 1920. Whereas in Asia, in China, Colin, they were cultivating some mushrooms back um, about uh, 300, uh, 500 CE. Shiitake mushrooms, the 12th century they learned how to grow shiitake can Mm. you imagine and it's like i was telling you mushrooms don't have any seeds how do you grow (laughs) these things (laughs) i guess is what in manipulation of what the combination of climate temperature and environment would you say like what are you know like whenever we grew up in in grade school it was you know a plant or a flower it's like sunlight water and soil right like you know what is it what are the 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 features of growing a a mushroom what what are the essential elements well well for one you know what um this organism that we call a mushroom is just one part of this fungal organism it starts with a spore those spores go out they land on the ground on wood uh when conditions are right they will germinate into a very fine filament called a hypha. When those hypha 
come together and fuse, they will form a network. And that network is called mycelium. And you've probably heard of mycelium. Mycelium is out there underfoot. We normally don't see it, but it is consuming all of that organic matter that falls to the earth every, every year. All of the plants that die, leaves, wood, mycelium, fungal mycelium and bacteria and bugs are consuming all of that, repurposing that into humus for plants. So we don't normally see that. So we've got the mycelium and when conditions are right, up comes a mushroom. And you you know how funny it is with a mushroom. It's like you're walking along one day and you go, oh my God, look at that, a mushroom. (laughs) And you sort of go, where did that come from? It wasn't there yesterday. (laughs) Okay, look, it actually was, but it just wasn't big enough for you to notice. And mm. because it takes uh, the the cycle once that mushroom starts to form uh in the ground or on the wood, it's small, but then it's about a 2 to 3 week uh progression of growth and maturity to where finally the cap comes up, uh it opens up underneath our gills. On those gills are where the spores are produced. Now we have a completion of the life cycle. So there's three parts, spore, mycelium, and mushroom. And look, nobody historically is eating mycelium because what are you going to do? Dig up the ground to get it? <laughs> well, the documentary did a really good job because they, they you know, made this, you know, animation uh, where it's almost like a – it's almost like a, a network. It's almost like a nervous system network, yep. right? That's yep. just you know penetrating the under under undergrounds, yep. uh, and we just walk on it yep. you know, all day, every day, and yep. it's um, it's incredible. Yes, 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 and and you know what? This is what's interesting. So, what do we actually use as seed to grow mushrooms? We actually grow that mycelium on a sterile carrier material, like maybe Mm. grain or something like that. And we grow the mycelium on it. And then we will take that once it's grown out, we'll break it up. We'll, we'll blend it into our compost or our sawdust or whatever it is. And every (laughs) grain is covered with live mycelium. And that's what grows off and grows into the growth medium, which we call a substrate. Yeah. And that starts out the whole process. So that's actually our seed. And, and we call it mushroom spawn. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, when, 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 when traveling, you know, is a little bit better, I'm going to come to your company and, you know, watch this, you know, watch this process if you'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But you might have to come to and travel in China with me. <laughs> <laughs> Which you kind of look at all, all, all on the the hillsides and mountains and all that. Right? Oh my God, Colin! It, it is it is so beautiful. And, and you know, look, China is a huge country. Oh my yeah. goodness, from top to bottom, you know, it's one of those places where up north right now they're getting into the cold season, whereas still down in the south in Hong Kong or or Macau and those places, they're still like, oh my God, it's too hot, right? It's got mm-hmm. the full range of climates, so, so it's a very interesting country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to have a couple of last questions. We're going to close out the session um, with the current uh, literature that we have. You know, scientific literature that we have on mushrooms. Are there any other ways to take advantage of mushrooms? Um, you know, for our health. You know, is there something that we 
have yet don't know about it, I guess, in the popular quote unquote mainstream, you know, of, you know, of society um, that we commonly know, known as mushrooms and, you know, what, how else can we take advantage of it? Well, well, you know, uh, there are a couple things. First of all, I'm always encouraging people to, to utilize mushrooms in their diet and, and not just once a week, but three or four times a week because they're so versatile. You can use them in so many different ways. You know that as a chef, there's, there's just such a versatility to that. Wonderful flavors. Supplement wise, which is what my company sells, we, we sell um, mushroom powders, but we extract them. We take the dried mushrooms like that, those uh, dried shiitake. We'll take 10 kilos of dried shiitake and turn it into one kilo of shiitake mushroom extract. And that becomes concentrated. And then that's what we will sell to companies and they will put it out in capsules, bottles, or or as a powder. And, and that is just a, um, a way that you can supplement your health other than just eating the mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond that, I, I think that's really, those are really the two key ways. And, and of course, you know, um, we we sell them either in powder form or in capsule form. Because a lot of people like to do that daily smoothie where they'll toss in different things and they'll create their own little alchemical drink that they will do on a <laughs> daily basis. And, and so a lot of people are using mushrooms. So, But, you know, traditionally, um, the way that uh, they make their medicines in China is that they throw everything in a pot and boil it up and drink yep. it as a tea. And that's another fantastic way. And, and that, in a sense, I look at that as like, this is not much different than a soup, right? Mm. It just depends on what it is that you happen to be cooking up in that pot of water, whether it needs a longer time or a shorter time, but it's a great way to get benefits as well. It's very fast acting to drink that liquid. Yeah. Um, this is a comment uh, from uh, Simi T. Consumption of mushrooms and green tea. This is actually Kiyomi, uh, the founder of the tea brand. Uh, she says, combining them together was associated with nearly 90% drop in breast cancer odds. So that's really cool. Wow. You know what? One of the things that I picked up from my travels in China was a love of green tea. We had green <laughs> tea all of the time. And what I also loved about it, forget about tea bags and all of that. No, you just put the leaves in. And it was really interesting too, Colin, because they told me it was the second cup that was the best. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's so much to it beyond it but i drink i drink green tea every day and and i love the fact of looking at my glass of green tea and seeing all those beautiful tea leaves in there and and that also made me think oh so that's how people read the tea leaves (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly it's like how how you know how else do they you know bring it into fruition yeah yeah Oh, man. So, uh, Jeff, um, I, one of my last questions is, um, you know, your company, you know, uh, Namex or Namex? How Namex. Do you Namex. Namex. What is it? Um, what do you guys produce and what do you hope to achieve with it? Well, I, look, I totally believe in mushrooms. And, and the first thing I say, of course, is eat mushrooms. But I also believe that they have tremendous benefits 
that we can utilize. And the key there is looking at them in terms of prevention. Mushrooms are part of our preventative medicine. And like you're saying, look, food as medicine, that's really the key here. And then if you would want to supplement beyond that, just like you might want to take, you know, oh, gee, I'm not getting enough vitamin C or I'm not getting enough vitamin D. Look, you can supplement with mushrooms in that same way. The, the key there is, look, you don't need a product that's just nothing more than a mushroom powder because you'd be better off eating mushrooms than just trying to buy a supplement that's nothing but straight powder. That's where extracting them, making them more concentrated. And the other thing we do too is that we we will actually analyze for the important compounds in there, the beta-glucans. It's the beta-glucans that make mushrooms medicinal. And that's what we promote and we analyze everything for those. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So how do people, um, you know, find you, how do they reach out? Um, you know, if they wanted to try, you know, the supplements or products that you guys offer, how do they, you know, find you guys? Well, the company is Namex, N-A-M-M-E-X. If you come to Namex.com, we have a ton of great information there, including slideshows taking you to our farms in China. It's really awesome. Namex, though, is business to business. We're a wholesaler, but we have a retail side called Real Mushrooms. So if you go to realmushrooms.com, mm. uh, we also have a lot of great educational material there. And that's what I really promote as much as anything else. Come to our websites for educational information. If you want to try the products, realmushrooms.com, you can buy our products there either in capsule form or as bulk powders. So either way. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. Um, you know, because I, I'm sure some people, um, you know, I get, I guess, you know, for some, it's kind of like olives, it's like an acquired taste, you know what I'm saying? You know, and maybe, you know, they're not used to growing up, uh, you know, having, you know, because mushrooms is, has its own, you know, tastes and texture and flavorings, right? Some people might not be used to it and they would rather go for maybe powder or in the form of a tea or because I do see companies that actually use mushrooms and make a whole tea line out of it um, or a coffee line out of it, actually. Yeah, um, that's been evolving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And a couple of things I would say, one of which is you, you probably are, are aware of the fact that reishi mushroom is very bitter. <laughs> so mm. you're not going to want to necessarily put that into your smoothie. Um, others have a, a nice flavor, but just be be aware of that fact that, that certain mushrooms like reishi, which, which could be taken as a tea if you don't mind the bitters, but otherwise uh, that's probably something that you'd want to take in a, in a capsule. Okay. Okay. We had another question here. Um, uh, same says, CMET asks, can we buy them from the U.S.? Well, our, our products are all sold online. So realmushrooms.com is, is sold online and it's fulfilled from our California warehouse. So yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I also call, before we leave, I just want to tell you, I have a really great ancient Chinese poem that I'm going to relate to you <laughs> because it is just, it's one of those just amazing kind of Zen-like yeah. 
poems. Yeah, and... yeah, please go ahead. Okay. This is how it goes. Without leaves, without buds, without flowers, yet they form fruit as a food, as a tonic, as a medicine, the entire creation is precious. Wow. I love it. Oh man. Yeah. It's, I it's love just, it because yeah. it's just so different. Like we've highlighted, you know, in this talk it's just so different. So. Yeah. It, isn't the, is it, is it, isn't nature amazing? Oh, oh, you know what? And, and I live in an old growth forest here, Colin and uh, the natural world to me, uh, I'm constantly thrilled. And part of it is moving slowly enough that mm. it will speak to you and, resonate and you'll be able to hear the animals you'll be able to see the mm. plants and and that's really the key you know sometimes we move a little bit too quickly it's a very fast paced society right now yep. and and people really need to slow down a little bit at times which is why why people like to get out in nature and just take it in and become part of it. I mean, yeah, that's, definitely. that's where we belong. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Before we created this, uh, you know, concrete jungle or, you know, urban jungle that we've, you know, created for ourselves for better or worse, you know, I think we need a whole nother episode just on forest bathing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, that's what for me is, is kind of funny because, I live in a forest. <laughs> I walk out on my property and I am forest bathing uh, every day. That's so. awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I had a great time. You know, this was a great session. Um, obviously, we can probably talk for hours, you know, just on this wondrous, you know, uh, topic uh, called mushrooms. And, uh, you know, I am looking forward for, you know, more of the awareness to be uh, brought forward you know, more of the education. Thank you for doing what you're doing and contributing, you know, in your way, you know, to society. So I really thank you so, so much for you to be here. Thank you very much for having me, Colin. It's been really a pleasure to meet you and to be on your show. It's been a great conversation. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, we're going to play this outro video. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys, for watching. Um, if you like this, please share this with another person. And please subscribe you know, to, to, to this channel. And please like and comment. And uh, we will see you on the next one. And please say goodbye to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs>Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.